0: Hello, and welcome to The Practical Prophetic, where prophetic ministry is made practical. I'm Beth Wingate, I'm your host, and welcome to the podcast. In today's episode of our podcast, I'm excited to bring you another episode about prophetic history. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people, and people seem to really enjoy when I do a history episode. And so today I'm excited to bring you another history episode. So let's go back to 1832. So this is a good bit before, you know, a good 20, 25 years before the Civil War. And we're going to go to Torrington, Connecticut. And there is a family, the Freeman family, and they have uh, 11 Children and one of the older children who was born May 5th 1832 is Sarah Ann Mix and like I said, they're a large family. This is an african-american family living in Connecticut and uh, This is pre-civil war and that they are Freeman their last name is Freeman to reflect that But they're a poor working-class family who are just really struggling to get by. Their daughter, Sarah, who, like I said, I believe she is the oldest daughter, I'm not sure if she's the oldest child, but uh, she is able to go to school, to a religious school called the Sabbath School, and uh, she attends school until she reaches what we would consider about high school age, and when she becomes a teenager, uh, she will leave school and go work as a maid. And during this, you know, this era, they're just a busy working family. They're not p- particularly religious. Uh they love the Lord, they have a background, but but they're not very religious. They're just trying to, you know, just trying to make it day by day, just a really hardworking family. And so uh when Sarah is around 20 years old, her father contracts tuberculosis. And he ends up passing away. And so Sarah has to help her mother take on the responsibility for the family. And so uh, in Torrington, there were not a lot of opportunities. And so the family makes a decision uh, to move to New Haven, Connecticut for better opportunities so that they can work. And you know, some of the younger ones are teens now, and, and everybody has to pull their weight and so um you have to remember this is also tuberculosis is a major problem in the country around this time it's claiming you know lots of people this is pre-antibiotic days they didn't have good treatment and especially if you were uh, you know it it really was indiscriminate it just would would would, was a terrible plague in, in that time and so they go to work in new haven Connecticut. And while they're there, uh, there just so happens, you know, wink, wink, that this major revival is happening in the Northeast. And one of the epicenters is the AME Church in New Haven, which is the, uh, stands for the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And so uh, Sarah hears about this, and at some point she's invited, and she goes to the AME Church for one of the revival services. And while she's there, uh, she said that, you know, that she was just so moved by the service and that the spirit, you know, was just so strong and she could feel the presence of the Lord. And she began to become so convicted about how much she needed the Lord. And she said that, um, that as she was in this uh, revival service, she could just feel God's presence. Now, here's where the prophetic part comes in, and this is just the beginning for Sarah, but she begins to to have a vision. She has an open vision in this service, and she begins to see God's presence in the form of a cloud. And She said the cloud began to get thicker and thicker, and it became brighter and whiter and thicker, and she said that it just really uh, overwhelmed her until finally that the cloud became so bright, so white, so thick, and she said, and then it sort of moved and engulfed her, and she said she um, she shouted out that she had to have Jesus or she would die. In fact, she said, "Give me Jesus or I perish," and so she had this amazing conversion experience while she was in. This meeting, and so she uh, she goes, you know, back home and and she's taking care of her family. She's working uh, mostly at this time as a maid. She'll later work uh, as a dressmaker. Um, she was actually a very talented dressmaker, and so she she has those kind of you know domestic professions. And so it was shortly after her conversion experience that she wants to go to church more, but she's just busy working, you know, just trying to make ends meet. And uh, her mother ends up contracting tuberculosis and becomes very sick. In fact, uh, Sarah will have to at times leave work to take care of her mother. And in 1855, her mother Passes away from tuberculosis, which, like I said, this is a major epidemic. You know, in the country at this time, and it affected a lot of people. And so, uh, shortly after her mother dies, Sarah realizes that she has contracted tuberculosis. You know, they called it consumption at that time. And so, she notices a cough, and and she realizes that she has also become, you know, very sick with tuberculosis. So she's able to go to a doctor. And the doctor recommends that she move to the countryside outside of the, you know, the smog of the city and that that would help her if she could breathe fresh air. So she moves um, out of New Haven into the countryside of Connecticut where her sister is living. And while she's uh, living with her sister, she's working again as a dressmaker, even though she's very sick. And uh, it's during this time that she meets a man named Edward. Mix and they end up getting married, and so uh, this sort of changes, you know, the tra- trajectory of her life. And her and Edward, uh, they they begin to go to church, and they have uh, seven children over the next, you know, ten fifteen years. They'll have seven children, none of whom will live very long. Uh, that you know, that most of them die in infancy, and a few of them die very young. Uh, You know, like I said, these were very poor people. It's very cold up north, you know, just not, they're very poor, you know, just not the best conditions to be living in. And so they just have, and and this was, I mean, this is unusual to have seven children die in infancy and we don't really know, you know, exactly what the situation was. But Sarah becomes severely depressed. Uh, She, she just becomes very down and very low and very upset. And uh, one day she's uh, working in her house as a dressmaker. You know, she's got orders to fill, and she's very busy, and she she really didn't even have time to grieve. You know, I'm sure there there's always working. And uh, she said that as she was making a dress one day, something amazing happened. She clearly heard what she describes as the audible voice of the Lord. And God spoke to her and and said, "'Go work today in my vineyard.'" In fact, this will become sort of the main quote of Sarah the rest of her life. And so Sarah um, Sarah was weary. She was tired. She was sick with, with tuberculosis, and she was depressed. But she, she wrestles with this because she feels like this was God calling her into ministry, and she feels very unqualified to be in ministry. And so she sort of wrestles with this, and she has a dream that night, and she dreams that faith, hope, and love, in in like human form, come to her, and tell her, "We will go with you, as you go forward in your life and in your ministry. We will go with you everywhere." And so she uh, she sort of embraces this idea, but she's still wrestling with the idea of being called into ministry. She feels so unqualified. she's sick, she's poor, she's African American in, in pre-civil War America. you know she's just like why me? <laughs> you know she, she doesn't uh, she just wrestles with this with this whole thing and so the next night she goes to bed and she has a dream. And uh, this is an amazing dream that really sort of is very prophetic and pivotal to her story. But she dreamed that there was a cloud of fire, in her words. And this cloud of fire grew, and she said it split into crowns and sort of formed crowns. And then one of these crowns was placed on her head and engulfed her whole being. And she said she just knew that she was called into ministry. And so she woke up with a whole new purpose. She woke up with a new ministry that she didn't know how to start or anything. So just she just woke up and told herself and, and told her husband, she said, I need healing. <laughs> I need to be healed so I can fulfill what God has asked me to do. And so um, she goes to a meeting, it was a an, uh, what will become like an Assembly of God meeting. Uh, it was a white minister. His name was Ethan Otis Allen and he was a well-known at the time healing evangelist. And so she goes to his meeting and just says, you know, I have tuberculosis, I need to be healed. And he, he, by the way, he himself years earlier had been healed of TB. And so he sort of felt like he had a special anointing in this area. And so he lays hands on her and prays for her to be healed. And as he's praying for her, he also confirms to her that she's called into ministry. And uh, he prays for her and she's healed. In fact, she has a miraculous healing. And uh, that night, there was a newspaper reporter there who sort of documents everything, and he will write an article about this whole event. This happened in 1877. Uh, uh, Sarah's 45 years old at this point. And so Sarah and her husband, Edward, uh, they sort of strike up a friendship with uh, the evangelist, Ethan Allen. And uh, Mr. Allen... Ask her and her husband to travel with him, and sort of um, to to prepare her for ministry. He wants to mentor this couple, you know, specifically Sarah Ann, and so he he becomes their mentor, and they begin to travel with him all over the Northeast. And so, as you know, he's this famous evangelist, and so they sort of become part of his team and they travel with him. They leave their jobs behind, and and, uh, I think she said they rented out their house, and they traveled with Mr. Allen, and so he began to teach her the Bible. He began to teach her how to study the Bible, her and her husband. He he teaches them about ministry, about healing, and she, she just soaks it up like a sponge. Well, unbeknownst to her, her testimony of healing becomes published in the newspaper and then it gets picked up by all these other other, uh, magazines and journals. You have to remember this is before the Civil War. We don't have computers. We don't really have hardly any major form there's no radio you know forms of communication like that and so pamphlets and journals and magazines and, and things like this are very newsletters you know they're very popular and so she sort of uh, it jumps from paper to paper and she begins to have some notoriety as this woman that was held of tuberculosis and you know tuberculosis is, is a plague at this point in the country and pre-antibiotic days, and so it's a, it's a major issue happening. And so people um, begin to reach out to, to, to come to see her and ask her to pray for them at Mr. Allen's meetings. And so with Mr. Allen's blessing, her and her husband uh, decide to sort of go back home and start their own ministry. And so Sarah begins to, at the, at the urging of some other people, she begins to work on her book And she uh, ends up getting published, and um, she has a book called um, Faith Cures and Answers to Prayer, and in it is her testimony included. And so um, they decide to go back home, and they open A ministry, and uh, they call it a healing home. You know, most mainline churches rejected the idea at this point of divine healing, and so that was sort of relegated to the fringe. And so she would, on Wednesdays, people would come and travel to their home, and they would pray for people to be healed, and uh, she would also teach and and, uh, you know, just typical evangelistic service, and so people would come through their home, and they were known as this, you know, a healing home, and they began to have a large ministry. In fact, it began to move out of her home and into larger venues and, like, tent revivals, and she becomes extremely well-known, especially in the late 1870s, early 1880s, uh, especially after her book in 1882. Um, She's just everybody knows her name she's this huge healing evangelist and um, as far as recorded history she is the first uh, female african-american evangelist known uh, for healing as a healing evangelist and so she's sort of the mother of that whole movement and she's got a special place in history and uh, while she's sort of at the peak of her notoriety as an evangelist, her and her husband feel this impression that her ministry will not last long. Um, and so she sort of feels this sense of urgency in her ministry. And in 1884, at the age of 52, Sarah Ann Freeman sort of unexpectedly passes away. Uh, not from tuberculosis, God healed her of that, but she passes away. and um, And you would think that's the end of the story, but um, it's not. I wanna share a couple of things about her. Um, Number one, you know, you have to remember, this is pre Azusa Street. Azusa happens in 1906, and it's sort of like, uh, sort of the, the beginnings of what is today the Pentecostal and Charismatic Movement. And so this predates those movements, but she has a connection to Azusa Street, and I want to sort of go backwards and tell a little bit about that story, and uh, I want to tell you her favorite scripture. So her favorite scripture is Hebrews 10:23, that says, "Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith, without wavering, for He is faithful that promise." So she's just this amazing woman, and she's also known for her quote that the Lord. Uh, spoke to her when she was making the dress that day, which is go work today in my vineyard, and she would sort of preach that everywhere She went to people you know to be about the the Lord's work But let me talk about her connection to Azusa Street, and then I want to sort of tie it up with the importance of of Like that word we studied a few weeks ago not sar of tending and, and Stewarding a word that the Lord gives you so um uh, before Azusa Street in the uh, late 1870s, um, in 1879 actually, and this is before her book actually came out, she was sort of in all these little journals and articles. Uh, a lady named uh, Carrie Judd Montgomery reads uh, this article with a healing testimony from the, the service with Ethan Allen where Sarah Ann Freeman Mix was healed. And so she reads about this, and uh, she decides to write Sarah Ann Freeman Mix. And so Carrie Montgomery writes Sarah Mix and, and tells her that uh, she lives in the northeast, that she had a terrible fall on some ice, and that um, they're not really sure what happened. She was diagnosed with tuberculosis of the blood, but today uh, we can probably deduct that she had like gotten septic. Uh, She had a blood infection uh, where she had probably broken a bone or had a really bad bruise or, you know, something of that nature. It got infected, and this is pre-antibiotics, so that wasn't uncommon. And so she was just deathly ill, fever, bedridden, I mean, just very sick. And so she wrote to Sarah Ann Mix and asked her to pray for her. Well, to her surprise, Sarah Mix writes her back and sets a date of February 26, 1879, and says, at you know, X amount of time, at they think it was noon. At noon, you are gonna pray, and I am gonna pray, even though they're in different states. And she said, I want you to, you know, she gave her all her scriptures and a little teaching in, in the letter, and told her, um, you need to fast and pray and prepare, and I'm gonna fast and pray and prepare, and at noon, we're both going to pray for your healing, and you need to receive it from the Lord. Well, she does that, and she is miraculously healed, and there's people there that document it and everything. Well, Carrie Montgomery had been uh, in school beforehand, and she was a writer, and she did poetry. She had a a poetry journal that was published, and so she decides to start a healing journal magazine, and uh, it becomes very popular, uh, which actually launches Carrie Judd Montgomery as an evangelist and the two women become friends. They correspond regularly and then uh, Sarah Freeman Mix uh, becomes a major contributor to the Healing Journal magazine that Carrie Montgomery has. Okay, so then Carrie Montgomery, a little later in her life, she marries a wealthy businessman and they both decide to enter ministry together and they move out west to California and she is credited as the first person out west to open a healing home. And so, just like on the pattern of her mentor, Sarah Ann Freeman Mix, she opens this healing home. And some of the people who come through her healing home are some of the same people that were, uh, inter- you know, integral to starting uh, what became the Azusa Street Revival. And so, here's where I want to sort of package everything together, you know, we can never discount when God gives us a word or a dream or a vision. And just like that word, not sorry, we have to partner with it and tend that garden, tend that vineyard. Just like Sarah Ann Freeman Mix said, uh, go work today in my vineyard. Let that word or that dream or that vision be a vineyard that you tend. You know, one way we can tend it is to ponder on it. Mary pondered, you know, God's word in her heart. She pondered it and, and sort of meditated on it. Another way we can tend a word is to journal it. You know, there was an, a, a newspaper article about her healing that really, she didn't have to do anything. It launched her ministry uh, and she, you know, God healed her and then she was sort of called to work with uh, Mr. Allen and then she, uh, she goes and, and, and ends up writing a book and, you know, everything. And so God has just this amazing way of taking people who uh, are not the obvious choice you know, and pairing people up who are not the obvious choice. But Sarah Ann Freeman Mix is sort of the mother of healing evangelists in in recorded history. And so she's a giant in the kingdom of God and the annals and history books of heaven. And so we need to know who she is and we need to know her story. And it shows us the power of a prophetic word and a vision and a dream. And how that God can use that. And I believe that her influence, uh, God calling her into ministry, it's still having repercussions today. And so we can never discount when God gives us a word, a dream, or a vision. And so I just wanted to sort of bring you one of these prophetic history stories. I hope they encourage you. I hope they're interesting I hope uh, you learned something, and uh, I just hope that there'll be a blessing to you. I'm keeping the episodes a little short through the holiday season. I know everyone's really busy, but I hope this was really enjoyable to you. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you have a blessed holiday season as you go work today in the Lord's Vineyard. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. So next time I post, you will be informed. Thank you for listening. And also, if you would like to send me an email, you can do so at BethWingate at AIM.com. That's BethWingate, B-E-T-H-W-I-N-G-A-T-E at AIM, A-I-M.com. BethWingate at AIM.com. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and have a blessed day.